Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is brought to you by Assembly Coworking Space. Assembly has been home to some of Calgary's brightest tech startups and small businesses for almost a decade. If you're looking for a coworking space, check out assemblycs.com. This episode is hosted by Peter Bodway. Peter manages strategy and partnerships for an innovative alliance of energy companies committed to reducing environmental impacts through collaborative R&D efforts. Peter worked for more than 20 years in Asia, building and investing in a variety of businesses. His most recent role outside of Canada was with the World Wildlife Fund, where he was the chief executive officer of WWF China, based in Beijing. Prior to that, Peter lived in Hong Kong for 15 years working in the technology industry. Now let's join Peter for his conversation with molecular neuroscientist Chris Bladen. Take it away, Peter. So thanks, Al. My name is Peter Bodeway, and I'll be your host of today's Rainforest podcast. Today's guest is Chris Bladen, the CEO and founder of Zymodyne Therapeutics, a Calgary-based company that's developing more effective treatments for chronic pain. So welcome, Chris. Thanks for having me, Peter. So one of the, the reasons I wanted to invite you on the call is I'd met you a few years ago when you were working in the innovation space and it was actually in oil and gas. And when I saw that you'd founded and you were involved with Zymodyne Therapeutics, I thought, wow, you probably have a really intriguing story. So I'm looking forward to today's call. It's a good story. <laughs> it's a good story. Okay. So, so let's start off. Like, Tell us about Zymodyne Therapeutics and the problem you're looking to solve. Yeah, well, Zymodyne was uh, founded by myself and my co-founder, Gerald Samponi, who's the Dean of Research Medicine at the University of Calgary. And what Zymodyne's mission is, is to try and create a safe and effective non-opioid pain medication. Both Gerald and I have been in the pain research business for, for well over 20 years, and, and we're some of the leaders in the field of that. And this, as everyone knows, you know, about the opioid crisis, it, it, it's not just a, a sort of medical problem, it's a societal problem as well. So we're, we're trying to sort of address that by finding a alternative to opioid medication for pain. So what makes Zymodyne, I guess, different than other pain treatments out there? Well, as I said, we sort of take a non-opioid approach. And, and what we had uh, found uh, several years ago is a mechanism, a novel mechanism in the pain pathway that sort of regulates the pain signaling. And, and what we're doing is trying to develop compounds or drugs that actually target this mechanism. Now, this is a mechanism that Zymodyne has a full patent on. And the great thing about it is, is that it's not, it doesn't involve the opioid pathway in any way. On, on top of that, it's also a mechanism that's only upregulated in the pain state. And, and one of the problems with a lot of pain medications is that they, they affect proteins in, in the human body that are critical to sort of normal physiological processes. And that's why they generate side effects and, and, with ours, the, the mechanism is only upregulated when people are already suffering severe and chronic pain. So what the, the drugs that we're developing hope to do is to sort of normalize the signal back to normal levels. How, how big of an issue 
is pain. Like obviously there's opioids. There is sort of, like you said, societal challenges. But when you look at pain as an issue, as a medical issue, what, what's the impacts of it on society um, at large? Yeah, the impacts are absolutely enormous, you know, from, from a sort of financial standpoint, it's pretty much the biggest market in, in, in medicine in terms of it's, uh, it's over a $50 billion a year industry. And, and that's a very conservative estimate, but the effects on society are even 10 times that m- amount. You know, it's over 600 billion a year because pain is pretty much the leading cause of lost productivity. In, in society. And not only that, but it's one of the leading causes of depression and even suicide. So, so again, you know, for pain sufferers, you know, th- th- there's a tremendous need for something that can help them without causing problems of its own. And that's, and that's the problem with opioids is, is, is the addictive quality yeah. that creates, that creates its own disease and its own problem. So, so, you know, and people who are caring for people in pain have to deal with that as well. At what stage are of you in in terms of development? So when essentially, because there's the development and then there's the clinical trials. Where where are you in your development cycle? We're still in the preclinical phase. You know, we we've done experiments in animal models of pain. So we've done in vivo and we've shown proof of concept. We've spent about the last sort of six to ten years sort of teasing out the mechanism itself, which is. Is, is normally sort of the large process when it comes to developing a drug. And, and then, of course, there's the sort of different phases of clinical trials, a, a normal, what they call a sort of bench to bedside from research to market. It, it can take 10 to 15 years. And normally a great deal of that time is, is in the R&D phase, the research and development phase. But there's also several years of phase one, phase two, phase three, and then finally FDA approval before it goes to market. And and we're in the preclinical phase of just before phase one. And what we're hoping to do is get a drug to phase one. And, and at that point, we'll actually look to partner with Big Pharma. We're not trying to compete with Big Pharma. There's no way we can compete with Big Pharma. We want to partner with them. But this is a business model that they prefer as well. They they see smaller biopharma companies such as ourselves as being much more nimble in the R&D space. So they look to partner with multiple small biopharma and their ideas and then take some of those ideas and and they do what they're good at, which is the latest stage clinical trial planning phases and, and of course, the FDA approval and marketing. That's what Big Pharma is really good at. It's coming along is what I'm hearing. Yeah, it's <laughs> coming along. We, we, we have a really exciting sort of portfolio of, of different ways of, of looking at the mechanism that we're targeting. We use advanced artificial intelligence to sort of predict and model how our compounds uh, interact with the protein of interest that we're talking about. The protein is a human protein called an ion channel, which sort of regulates signals in the body. And so we have collaborated with some medicinal chemists who use AI technology to predict this. We also have some other guys working on these sort of simulations and stuff like that. We have in vitro screening, which means, you know, basically in the lab screening where we can take, we can isolate the human protein and and we look for how it's regulated sort of in the lab, if you wish, when we, when we apply different drugs to cell lines and we see what they do 
with these cell lines that, that are expressing the protein of interest that we have. And, and so we have a high throughput screening, which is really important because at the start, we went through something like 400,000 chemicals to actually get to our lead compound. So, so we've gone through that stage, which is the sort of painstaking stage. And more importantly, we've, we've identified some lead compounds that we have now used in animal models of pain, various chronic pain. And I, I should point out at this point, there are several different types of pain, and we're looking at the chronic neuropathic pain. You know, this is very different from acute pain. You know, if you, if you bang your thumb with a hammer, for instance, that's acute pain. And acute pain is not necessarily a bad thing. It's, it's a defense mechanism, right? So, yeah. And it, and so, it dissipates. Know, it, it dissipates. Yeah. It, it, and, and it usually goes away after a few seconds or a few minutes. And, and it's your body's way of telling you, Hey, something's wrong. You're doing something. Stop doing it. The difference with chronic pain is that chronic pain is is when that signal doesn't get switched off. And, and that can happen in, in various different diseases, whether it be inflammation from arthritis causes pain, common back pain, for instance, where people, you know, throw their back out and you feel the pain. There's also pain associated with cancer and cancer treatments and also for things like diabetes, diabetic neuropathy. So there's all sorts of different pain that we're targeting, but but we're not targeting targeting the sort of acute pain or, or pain or such as headaches and things like that. We're looking at the more serious pain, chronic, yeah, the chronic that is pain debilitating in a way, debilitating. Yeah, yeah the, the same kind of pain that opioids were developed to treat, and but unfortunately, like I say, you know, opioids now have yeah the side effects and the societal side effects, yeah, side, side effects. I, would, I do want to come back to the, the zymodyne therapeutics growth, but I want to also ask about your background because that's what, that's what was interesting because to talk about your career joining, because from, you know, you did graduate with a PhD in molecular neuroscience from the Hodgkin's Brain Institute from the University of Calgary. And when we met and it was, I believe, 2015, 16, you were actually working in the innovation space with a major oil and service firm. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey, I guess, from innovation in oil services to pivoting to neuroscience, or I guess in a way back to neuroscience after your graduation? So can you tell us a bit about your yeah, journey? Yeah, well, it was a it was it's a it was a very interesting and, and quite a dramatic pivot, I guess. And and what happened was there was a internship being offered just at about the same time as I was finishing up my PhD in, in the Hotchkiss Brain Institute. And and my entire PhD actually was was on developing drugs for pain therapeutics. That was my entire PhD. It was a very successful PhD. I was the grad student of the year. I got a whole bunch of papers published, peer-reviewed papers published. So it was all going really well. But I've always been interested in in sort of industry. And just before I was ready to sort of defend my thesis, there was an opportunity, an internship that was actually offered by the Hotchkiss Brain Institute who happened to have on their board of directors some oil and gas executives. And this was to intern in, in industry. And one of the options was in oil and gas environment. And this piqued my interest because it's it's one of the sort of other passions in my life is environment. You know, my in my original undergrad is in ecology. I have a degree in ecology. And, you know, when I was much younger, I always thought I was going to be a forest ranger or a vet or something like that. And, and so, you know, I had taken a degree in ecology and 
However, back in those days, the environment wasn't wasn't really much of an issue, and it, it wasn't in the forefront. You know, I'm talking about the late '80s, early '90s. The environment wasn't wasn't really front and center like it is now, and so it's very difficult to get jobs in that. But when this opportunity came to do an internship for for Cedar, it gave me a chance to sort of explore the idea that you could create a sort of environmental program that was both, you know, good for business, but both also good for the environment as well. So I applied for the internship and and was very surprised that I got it. They immediately took me on as, as you know, they, they didn't really know what to expect. They thought I would be, you know, typical nerd, I guess. And, and, and you're probably well aware of the oil and gas industry sector here is, is pretty boots on the ground kind of uh, mentality. And, and so they took me on with, with some skepticism. But luckily enough for me, my mentor, Paul Massel, uh, who was VP of corporate development there, we got along really well. And he instantly understood that all the critical thinking skills that I developed during my PhD. As a scientist, as a scientist. As a scientist, yeah, yeah. breaking down, you know, I... My, my title is molecular neuroscientist. What that means is I break things down to the most fundamental interactions. We're talking about how physics meets chemistry meets biology. You know, we're, t- we're talking about at- atomic structures here. And, and, and that's, that is what I do. I geek out on, on breaking down things the most. And you can apply that kind of critical thinking to almost anything. And in, in this case, I, I brought that to the sort of oil and gas space. So I wanted to ask then, here you were working in oil and gas, and then you ended up back in neuroscience. So how did that happen? Well, as I, as I said, you know, I, I after I sort of worked with, with Cedar for a few years and under the tutelage of Paul Massel, I, I learned so many things from the business aspect of, of the oil and gas industry and how business operates. And so I took that and started my own consulting company for a while in the environmental space. And, and I was doing that. But as, as we joked earlier, it's, it's long hours and, and it was it's quite difficult. And, and at the time, right in the middle of me doing sort of environmentally compliance and, and, and other sort of boring governmental work, I got this offer out of the blue to, to go do research at Macquarie University as, as a lecturer, researcher and lecturer. And this would bring me back into what I did for my PhD, which was sort of developing drugs uh, for pain therapy. Therapeutic. So just to clarify, you're up in Fort McMurray and you literally get a call out of the blue one day to work with Macquarie University. You recognize that's in Sydney, so in Australia. So literally the other side of the world, right? I yeah, mean, you know, like, you know, I, I have one of those minds that's forever curious. And, and, and so, you know, I never I never lost my curiosity for for science. You know, you, you don't go through a, a PhD and, and indeed I, I spent 20 years doing doing sort of medical research. You know, you don't give that up overnight uh, without keeping tabs on what the latest developments are. And this was, I, I saw this basically opportunity come across my desk that said they were looking for a researcher and lecturer for pain and, and cannabinoids, actually cannabis. And, and that was one of the things that I did in my, in my PhD. The last part, the last two chapters of my PhD is exploring how uh, medicinal cannabis can be used in pain therapeutics and, and looking at trying to modify some of the sort of phytocannabinoids, the cannabinoids that are sort of 
that are naturally occurring. Pain reducing, right? Yeah. And try to tweak them so that they're more effective or, or, you know, can be used more medicinally. And so this opportunity, I saw this opportunity in Macquarie to sort of do research on this. So I sort of just wrote a letter to them. And, and as it turned out, the guy there, Mark Connor, who's at Macquarie University, he he knew all about my research and also research of, of my supervisor, Gerald Samponi, who, of course, is also the co-founder of Zymodyne. And so he was very keen because he knew that I was an expert in this field. So he invited me to apply for some funding, some government funding there to see if I could start my own lab and, and research project there. And I was probably the person most surprised when I, I got it. So they, they, they gave me a, a four-year contract which to do independent research. And this was the first time, you know, I, I never dreamed that I would to have an independent research lab. And, and so it was an opportunity that- It was like the dream up. job. It job, was, job was kind of like the dream job. It was very <laughs> yeah. scary because it means, you know, moving all the way across the world. And, and you know, I, I have a wife and kids. And so I had to talk with my wife and, 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 and boys and see what they thought about it. And, you know, they're really supportive and said, well, go for it. And, and my wife said, well, you know, I'll, I'll hold down the fort here and, she basically said, go and give it a try and see how it is. And, and if you like it, you know, let's let's talk about it. And if it doesn't pan out, then, you know, you can always come back kind of thing and, and come back. And it turned out really great. Then COVID hit and it hit everywhere. <laughs> and, so you were down then, in Australia or you were, yeah, still, you know, based there, yeah. when, but working. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I was, I was working there and I, I came back for one of my many visits. You know, I, 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 I was sort of almost commuting as it were from Sydney to Calgary every couple of months and and likewise my wife would come over every couple of months uh, alternate uh, so that we would you know keep in touch and but yeah I came back on a on a two-week visit March 2020 and just as lockdowns the, occurred essentially really yes un- yeah. yeah just as the lockdowns in Australia and, and of course they were the strictest of all the countries Australia and New Zealand just shut down their borders completely in in and that was their way of dealing with the yeah. covid pandemic and so you couldn't get I, back in you just couldn't get back I, in i was i'm not an australian citizen so so they wouldn't let me back in under any circumstances nobody was allowed in and i i my gear my 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 computers, my my clothes, my bike are all left in us. They're still in Australia as we speak. <laughs> I have a cousin. I have a nephew looking after him. But yeah, so I got I got st- I got locked out and stuck in Calgary, and then I was kind of left with that. What am I going to do now? Kind of thing that probably a lot of people felt. So another um, pivot, another pivot. So so, so then how how yeah? So how did that lead now to Zymodyne Therapeutics? Yeah, so so as as I said, we got I got locked out, and I, I was fully expecting. You know, initially, of course, I thought that it would just be a couple of months, like everybody else thought the pandemic would be over in a few months. But it became pretty obvious after a couple of months that it, it wasn't going to end soon, and and so I was resigning myself to probably losing my dream job, dream position, and and so I. St- Started doing what most people did and start reacquainting myself with my contacts in Calgary. The local and market. First, okay, what do you got for it? Yeah, so you started. Yeah, looking. you know, and okay. I, I, I sort of, I contacted uh, Geralt uh, and said, you know, hey, you know, what's up? <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, yeah. What you know, anything, anything interesting happening? And and it was pretty. F- 
funny. And again, you know, timing is everything in life, I guess. And and he said, well, he said, that's interesting that you're, you're back because there's a there's an opportunity sort of starting pretty soon with Innovate Calgary to start a company. And he said, you know, you would be the perfect guy to do this because this was basically your PhD. And, you know, this is stuff that we've worked on together for many years. And and he said, you know, they, they're looking to sort of create startup companies based on, on innovative technology. And he said, do you want to apply for it? So I said, sure, I, I'll apply for it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm game for almost anything. And, yeah. and so I applied for it. And, and again, I got the I got the fellowship, the Life Science uh, Fellowship from Innovate Calgary. Again, probably based on, obviously, my experience in the science field, but also because I had spent a few years in the oil and gas industry and, and I'd learned a few business techniques and uh, doing some business consulting and, of course, starting my own consultancy company. And Can I ask... Yeah, because because that that if I understand correctly, that was the Calgary Life Sciences grant, correct? Is that yes. sort of what kicked it off? So that was so really it was serendipity where you talked with your you know soon to be partner and said, hey, I'm looking for something, and you just why don't you apply here? And then it came about to do to build your your opportunity, right? Yeah, that that was exactly it. You know, I I, I certainly didn't come back to Calgary thinking I was going to be CEO of a biopharma anytime soon. But as luck would have it, that was the fellowship. And, and I think the opportunity was there. And, you know, again, in in Gerald and I have known each other for a very long time. And our, our paths seem to sort of intersect every so many years. And, and I'd known him all the way back at his UBC days when he was a postdoc and he started a company with his supervisor called Neuromed and and they actually became very successful. And I was one of their first employees there way back then. And and that company was also developing ion channel blockers. These are the proteins I'm talking about that that we target. And they were looking at pain uh, and epilepsy and, and other diseases and they were successful to the point that they not only got a licensing agreement and, and got successful, but they went all the way to IPO. And, and at the height of Neuromed, they were worth something like $400 million and were hiring over 100 employees. Jared's your partner now, and he's your, obviously, that's your co-founder with Zymodyne yeah. Therapeutics, correct? So obviously yeah, he's had a successful exit. Yeah, you guys will now have this. You have this skill now in this learning what to do and what not to do for this one. Yeah, exactly. Because you know what happened with with Zymodyne was it was that the uh, U.S. the U.S. backers took the company and moved it to Harvard, and they took or the previous one. Them. Yeah, the previous one. Yeah, not the previous yeah, one. Yeah, and yeah. so. When we started Zymodyne, Gerald and I, we wanted to avoid that mistake. We we very much want to keep this based in Alberta, and we, you know, if we're successful, we want the jobs to be in Alberta, and and to grow the sort of biotech ecosystem here. And and what's happening now is is really really exciting in terms of what Innovate Calgary are doing for the biotech space. You know, Innovate Calgary is the sort of commercial arm of the University of Calgary. At the U of C, yeah. Yeah, uh, with UCED and and together, and and they they find the funding and and they help startup companies with innovative technologies such as ours. Again, ours is 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 you know a tremendous idea, if you wish, but it, it's ideas don't make companies. So, yeah. so you, you have, gotta- you've got to develop that into a proper company. And and fortunately, Gerald and I have had previous skills at doing this, and and also 
again, some of the skills I learned in, in oil and gas sector as, as a business consultant helped me in that as well. So, so we're trying to sort of make, you know, the business side of it as Grow. successful as the research side. The research side is very successful. We, we publish a lot of papers, but, but that doesn't make a, that doesn't make a drug that, you know, can cure millions of people and, or, sorry, I shouldn't say address cure, chronic but, pain. Um, yeah. But yeah. treat millions of people and help society as a whole, you know, and, and when you're, you know, when you're ultimately thinking of where can you most benefit people in society, you know, what better way than to, to sort of create a company that provides jobs and, and is trying to sort of solve one of society's biggest problems right now. And, and I know, want to pivot back to that, Chris, because as you said, you're starting, you are, you've now isolated the compounds, you've raised some money. Obviously, you guys had the Calgary Life Science Grant, and since then, you've you've raised non-dilutive funding. So your next journey, your next journey is you, you've recently pitched at the Startup TNT Health Science Investment Summit. So I guess I wanted to ask you, what are you expecting out of that, and what what is your funding journey looking like? Well, as I said, you know, we we've we've done this research story and program for quite some years, and we've developed it to a point where we think we have something big that we we think can be something really big and benefit society. But of course, there's still a long way to go. And in order to take something from the sort of research phase into the sort of practical stage, if you want to call it that, it's it takes a lot of money. To get a drug to market can take hundreds of millions of dollars. And so you can't get that kind of money from grants or university grants or government grants. So what we're looking for in terms of the startup TNT sort of Life Science Summit is sort of funding that's going to get us to the stage where we can go to Big Pharma and say, hey, we have more than an idea. We have a drug that's proven to be effective in animal trials. It's proven to pass all the pharmacology and toxicology studies. It's gone through bioavailability. These are all technical terms that really mean it sort of transforms the chemistry, the compounds into something that we then call a drug. You know, a drug is something that actually can be taken. It's regulated, has been proven. And- it's proven to be safe. And so then you start the clinical trial so that you can start giving it to humans to trial it to see, A, one, if it's safe, two, is it effective? And, and three, is it better than what's out there? Those are the basic phases that a drug goes through, you know, that take a lot of money and a lot of time, but that's where we want to partner with with big pharma. So this is it. No, so the phase we're looking at right yeah. now is to yeah. raise money to get us to that step one of a four step process, and it's going to take one to two million dollars, which is what we're looking for in the first raise. And and you know we're looking at startup TNT and other investors to see if we can get the money to pay for the next phase of of development, which is basically improving the efficacy, the potency, and the sort of Drugability, you know, the bioavailability and 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 so on and so forth of the drug, so that, so that it, it's polished and ready for big pharma to sort of take it to the next steps. On the startup T and T phase, I guess I wanted to ask. I mean, that's now ongoing, correct? If I'm not mistaken, you're in the yeah, middle we're, of that we're process. Right in, we we passed the first we passed the first hurdle on the TNT startup. We're in the final twenty. I gave my pitch, my three minute spiel last week. You know, I think it went well. There were some great questions. It's also exciting just to hear other the other startups as well. There, there's an incredible amount of exciting technology right here in Alberta. So, you know, you you listen to to what other 
people are offering and have to say. It just it just blows me away how how exciting. I I've always dreamed and and saw Alberta as being a biotech hub, and I've I've always wondered why it hasn't happened. You know, it, it's it's happened in Vancouver and Toronto, Montreal to some degree, and and yet I found that there's in Alberta we have world class researchers. We we have some of the best researchers in the world here who were brought here based on on the sort of generous donations from the oil and gas industry, the Heritage Fund. These these monies have allowed world-class facilities to be built here. And the funding, you know, the research in medicine is not cheap. It's, it's expensive. And so in order to attract the very best, you've got to offer them the very best. You've got to offer them the very best equipment and facilities. And the oil and gas donations and the Heritage Foundation and, and other money from the government has allowed to attract us some of the best minds. And, and, and they're right here in Alberta. And I've always wondered why we have some of the best researchers at U of C and U of A, why that hasn't translated into a burgeoning biotech. It's starting. It's, I mean, I think it's, it's starting. starting. It, it, yeah. It's happening. There, there's yeah, a... Yeah. It, it's it's a quiet revolution that's happening right now, but I really do think it's happening. And I think Startup TNT is going to be a part of this. They realize this and, and Innovate Calgary are getting funding to start all sorts. And, you know, it, it's inevitable. Some will not make it, but some will. And those that do are going to plant the seeds and, and lay the foundations for others to succeed. And 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 we hope to be a part of that. And, and, and that's sort of also part of Zymodyne's goal. It's not just a singular goal of being a successful company making drugs. It, it, it's about being part of the the new the new ecosystem in in Alberta that's gonna sort of diversify the economy and be a long-term sustainable platform to help the province grow and provide thousands of jobs because again the bio, biotech industry can provide thousands and thousands of jobs and oh, yeah. in many places it does provide thousands of jobs and 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 money for, for for cities and provinces so so i think that we're on the cusp here of, of that happening in alberta and it's really exciting to be a it part is of. exciting so can i ask then chris if if people want to know more so you've you've been pitching at startup tnt so if they want to know more there there's obviously more on the startup tnt website but if they want to <laughs> know more about uh Zymodyne Therapeutics, where should they go? Absolutely. Zymodyne has its own website. It it's, uh, mentions a little bit about the technology that we're using and, and, and the mechanism that we're, we're targeting. And it also gives a little bit of background about myself and, and my co-founder, Gerald, as well as the team that we've started to assemble now. And, and so people can go to the website. Uh, we also have a LinkedIn page, uh, Zymodyne's there, and it's it's one of the first uh, things that comes up on Google if you put in Zymodyne because uh, it's, it's quite a unique name. Connect in there and you'll get the latest news. Well, look, I want to say, first of all, good luck in your TNT. I guess you'll know soon, right? It's in the next couple of weeks. We're, we're waiting to see if we make the top 10. And from there, it gets very interesting. I guess they, they then will start looking at us in, in details and looking at our data rooms and, and so on and so forth. And and seeing what we're really all about, which if we get to that stage, will be really exciting. And, you know, but there's so many other great companies. I know some of them personally, and I listen to others. And, you know, it, it's just exciting to see so much great technology coming out of Alberta that, you know, regardless, we wish everyone, you know, good luck and, and success, because I think 
once we start getting a few successes here in Alberta, it's going to lay the foundation for more and more. Okay. Well, look, I, and I, want, I also wanted to say thanks to you, Chris, today for taking the time out of your schedule. It was, uh, yeah, it's amazing. This new industry segment, it is growing and uh, we look forward to, you know, finding out more. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, you know, go on TNT website or go onto our website and, and start learning all about the sort of biotech revolution that's happening in Alberta. Okay. So thanks for your time today, Chris. Yeah, it was great talking to you again, Peter. Long time no see and hopefully we'll keep in touch. And if you'd like this episode for those listeners, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by Assembly Coworking Space. If you're looking for a co-working space, check out assemblycs.com. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.